Want to welcome you right now if you're at Cape Coral, God Behind Bars, City First Anywhere, right here in the good old State Line area. Uh, I'm just so glad that you are a part of City First. And I'm glad also we are starting a brand new series today called Endless Summer. Endless Summer. Now, as I say that in the Midwest, right now it's like 80 degrees. It's beautiful. Like we would take this 24 7, 365 days a year. You know what I mean? But if you are down in, uh, let's say, Cape Coral, Southwest Florida right now, endless summer means that you're endlessly living on the surface of the sun. So really, you probably want endless February. But anyway, Wherever you're at right now, where it's hot or cold, I'm just glad that you are here. And we are in this series that we are going to talk about living this season of summer with purpose and meaning. So let's not just make this a time that we go on autopilot, but rather that summer is a season of purpose and meaning. We're going to actually focus on the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Old Testament. It's also called the book of wisdom. Now we do a Proverbs series about every other or every third year around here, and we do it strategically. So some of you might say, well, they've done these things before if you've been here for years. Yes, every so often we do that, and here's the reason why. The reason we do a series on wisdom is because you make your decisions and your decisions make you, okay? So this is like a refresher course for some of us. Some of us, it's the very first time we're hearing it. These are not the same messages. They're new messages, but we're going to talk about how to make right choices, how to live with wisdom. And if you're not familiar with this book, this book was actually written by a guy by the name of Solomon. Solomon was a king of Israel. He lived about a thousand years before Jesus was born or a thousand years BC. I mean, he lived a long, long time ago, but God had given him a supernatural impartation of wisdom. And he was called the wisest man to have ever lived according to the Bible. In other words, outside of Jesus, this man is the wisest man to have ever lived. And he compiled some of his thoughts into a book called Proverbs. And we're going to study that. And you can almost look at these as like wisdom keys. Keys that unlock a successful life. So this summer, I've actually asked some of my very wise friends to help me preach. And so this summer in this series, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to want to miss it because we have people like Charlotte Gamble, Ryan Leake, Chris Durso, Kyle Rogers, the home team. It is going to be a couple months of some fabulous, amazing, life-changing teaching. And I realize some might going, listen, I, I might miss some because I'm going on vacation. No, no, don't take a vacation from God. There's this amazing thing called the internet, all right? And so we have online 24-7. You can even watch it on demand. So even if you're on vacation, like Jen and I, we're going on vacation for part of the summer and sabbatical for part of the summer, but we're not taking a vacation from God. We don't want you to take a vacation either. Even if you're on vacation, dial in and join your City First Church family online and be a part of this because we're going to all become wiser this summer. Do you know that God wants your life to not only be saved, but successful? Do you know that? He doesn't want you just saved. Saved is good. Trust me. Saved is good, sins are forgiven, heaven is your home someday. That's amazing. But also, on top of that, he wants this life for you to be successful. Now, success is defined different ways. But God defines success a certain way that you love God, you love people, 
and then you end up loving life, all right? But we're going to talk about these two months, how to be successful according to God and how to make wise choices, how to make the wise choices. It says in Proverbs this, in 4.7, it says, Proverbs 4.7, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> now, I know that sounds so simple, but what this is really saying, I'll read the rest of this in a moment, but what that's really saying is, is this, all of us want to be wise, and there are many anybody who goes, hey, I want to be dumb, all right? I want to be wise. Well, how do you get wisdom? You got to go after it. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. In other words, you can't just wish wisdom into your life. You have to go after it. You have to chase it. You got to learn. You got to, you got to ask how to get wise from wise people. In other words, getting wisdom does not strike you like lightning. God does not just doink you on the head and all of a sudden you're wise. But if you want to get understanding, you have to go after it. In other words, this being a Christian doesn't automatically make you wise. Now, this is going to sound a little bitey what I'm about ready to say right now. It's going to sound a little harsh, but it's not. It's truth. And that is this. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're wise. All right? Just because you have a saved heart doesn't mean that you don't have a dumb mind. Okay? And what you got to do is you got to learn. This is the best part of it. God will help you make wise decisions, will help you get wisdom, but it doesn't just happen at the point of salvation. It is a process. I know a lot of Christians that are saved and going to heaven, but don't have a clue. Right? So, so here's the thing. We want to be people who are saved and going to heaven, but we also want to make wise decisions. We want our wisdom to be in our hearts and in our minds. And God wants you to make wise decisions every day. We need to seek him to make wise decisions on things like big life-changing decisions, like who do I marry or what is the career path that I take. You know, God wants to inform those things to you. Or, or you know what, how to endure hardship because we all go through it. So ask God for wisdom for that. Or how should I spend money? Or how do I choose my close friends? Or God, give me wisdom on whether I rent or buy. Or give me wisdom on whether I get a dog or I get a dog. Because that's the only wise choice, all right? <laughs> you know, you don't want to get a cat because the Bible doesn't, it says you shouldn't live with depression and anxiety and loneliness, all right? So anyway, no. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All the cat lovers hate me whenever I pick on the cats, all right? I actually used to own a cat when I was nine years old, all right? So I, I did, I did. Named Samantha. Was like a devil. I mean, would like, like literally, I would walk down the hall and like in the middle of the night and, and she would take and like with her claws go like this at my ankles or whatever. Maybe that's why I have a thing against cats. But anyway, all right. So God has wisdom for you. But unfortunately, we tend to go to the wrong sources for wisdom nowadays in our culture. In culture, what we do is we go to social media, we go to the internet. In fact, what we do is we crowdsource wisdom. <laughs> and, and, and you know, uh, have you ever asked anybody on social media their opinion about something? How about their opinion about politics? There, let's start with that one. That's usually a very benign subject, right? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of times when you ask for wisdom from the internet, from TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, social media, blogs, whatever else, you get a lot of shared ignorance. I call this getting wisdom. Wisdom, all right? 
Wisdom is when you crowdsource your social media to make life-changing decisions. Instead, we should have wisdom, not wisdom, all right? Turn to the person next to you and say, I ain't wisdom. <laughs> so this weekend, um, obviously, we're celebrating Jen. We just did, and we've been celebrating uh, for multiple days now uh, with various parties from people that have come in from out of town or just family parties and things like that. And uh, it's been fun to talk to our two oldest boys, Caden and Connor, reminiscing about some of the days when they were really young and mom and dad and all these things. And one of the things we were talking about here this week is we were talking about how Caden and Connor, they were in like, you know, like early elementary and then they went into later elementary and into the beginning of middle school and all that. And, and boys do this especially, and I think girls do too, but we don't have any girls so I really can't speak to that. Um, boys tend to try to figure out like their, their, their leash, you know what I mean? They try to like create their, their boundary, they try to get independence, you know. And so what they start doing is they become a little lippy. And uh, I remember Caden uh, and Connor became a little lippy with, uh, with mom and I, um, not trying to out anybody here, but especially Caden, all right? And, uh, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, it was, it was amazing because Jen and I also were like, what happened to our sweet boys? Now they're all like lippy and things like that with us and talking back. And so we began to say, hey, no, you got to talk respectfully. We are your parents, you know? It's like that song, I'm your mama, all right, all right, okay? So here's the thing, trying to like, trying to like, you know, create these boundaries and, and then what happened, they would push the limits, right? They'd push the limits. But there were three words, there were three words that would send shivers down their spines, I think. And if we said these three words, what that was is that was the unspoken message that there is a line that you are fast approaching and if you get across that line, you're going to be skating on very thin ice and everything's going to go to DEFCON 1 real quick. You know what I mean? Those three words were this, watch your mouth. Now, some of you, the minute I say that, you got a little shiver yourself because <laughs> you remember your mom, your dad, your grandparents, somebody looking at you and being like, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth, all right? And, and I would say these words, and these boys knew that if they said even one more thing, like if one more word came out of their mouth, it was going to be consequence time, right? Okay, watch your mouth. So today, that's the title of my message, because here's the reason why. I want us to watch our mouths when it comes to our speaking, our speech, what we're saying. All right, that's the first wisdom key we're going to tackle in this book of Proverbs, and we are going to talk about watching your mouth. But really, if you think about it, it's impossible to watch your mouth. The way the good Lord made us is our eyes are up here, our mouth is down here, we look out here, we can't see down here, right? So it's an idiom that doesn't really make sense to watch your mouth. The only way that you can watch your mouth is by looking in a mirror. So let me tell you what the metaphor is today. The word of God is your mirror. When you look into the mirror, you begin to see your speech and you begin to see your present condition and it helps you get to a desired condition. That's what a mirror does. You got up this morning, you looked in the mirror and you're like, oh, Jesus, help it. And, and you know, what do you do? You're like combing your hair and you're brushing your teeth and you're shaving or whatever you're doing. You see your present condition and then it helps you get to your desired condition. Well, the Word of God is the same way. I say this all the time. It's a mirror. You look into it, you see your present condition in your heart, and then it helps you get to God's desired condition of what He wants you to live like. So, you know, you looked in a mirror today, 
Why are the words in your mouth so important? Why is it so important? Well, the Bible says this in Proverbs. Solomon would tell us in verse uh, 21 of chapter 18, the tongue can bring death or life. Isn't this interesting? The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. There's an old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Think that's true? No way. In fact, I would say this. Most of the wounds that we carry in life whether we're 17 or 77 years old, most of those words are not because of sticks and stones. They are because of words. Words that somebody spoke to us, over us. Words that were spoken that we could still replay as if it were yesterday in our minds. Words that kind of framed things for us. Words are very, very powerful. They're very powerful. They're powerful to you. They're powerful to the words around you or the people around you. Life or death are right here in our mouths. So we can use our words to build people up and heal people, create healthy relationship, or we could use our words to tear people down, to break a heart, to create a lie, to create division, to gossip. I'm oversimplifying this here, but really what Proverbs is saying is our words matter. More than we realize, more than we realize, a body research, and there's a bunch of them out there that give different figures, but one body research that I saw was pretty credible said that the average person speaks 16,000 words a day, 16,000 words. And in America, we have free speech, which by the way is a huge blessing, and we celebrate that as Americans, but could I say this? The fact that we have free speech also means that we need to have a greater responsibility with what we say. With free speech comes great responsibility. Sounds a little bit like a Spider-Man movie that I'm saying here. But here's the thing. Many of us in our culture nowadays, many Americans, we just blurt out what we feel. I'm going to tell you like it is, right? Or I'm going to just express what I'm thinking or my opinions, whether you like it or not. And we assume that the loudest person in the room is the expert. That ain't necessarily true. We live in a culture where words are being mindlessly spoken. Think about this. You know, even with our news networks, and whatever news network is the one of your, the flavor of your choice, all right, um, they're all 24-7, most of them, and if they aren't, they're online 24-7, so they got to fill it with content. And so there was this invention that came after Ted Turner started CNN, and this idea of, like, we got to fill 24 hours of broadcast. Well, let's all of a sudden have these talk shows where people get on and debate things like politics or whatever else. Well, now... Our world is full of just a lot of talking. Everyone has a podcast, right? I mean, it's just like talk, 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 talk. But the problem is, is this, is you got to filter through it to see and hear the language and the words that are truth versus what words are just being mindlessly spoken, arguments that are out there. This is what Proverbs would say. The wise control their words. Turn to the person next to you, the one that you didn't turn to before, and say, you're in charge of your mouth. All right? You know, sometimes we kind of blame it on our, like, heritage or our nationality. We're like, well, I'm Italian. <laughs> or, like me, I'm Dutch. You know, I can't help it. You know? No, no, no. We're in charge of our words. We are in charge. We're not puppets. Somebody's not pulling strings. We're not, you know, there's some ventriloquists that's there, you know, putting words in our mouth. We're the ones that control our 
own words and our speech. It says in Proverbs 29, it says this, it says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. It's pretty amazing. You ever feel like you're going to burst? Somebody's saying something to you, you're reading something online, <laughs> somebody sent you a text message, and you're like, mm, right? I mean, you're like, I, 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 I can talk right now. Like, I could say something. I could respond. You're so passionate, you feel right about it. You want to shout it out, but you don't. Kind of reminds me of growing up, I loved riding um, and racing go-karts. I didn't race them professionally, but, you know, just at the go-kart track. In fact, even now, I still love it. Every August, we have an all-staff, all-ministry partner retreat here for City First, and we rent out a mini-putt and go-karting place in town, and we all, like, go go-karting and mini-putting. And I will say there are, are some staff members that every year get kicked out of the go-karting portion of it. I'm just saying that. I won't name who they are or anything like that, Cameron. I won't name that or anything like that, but I would just say... <laughs> Every, every year, every year, there's usually one pastor at least that's getting kicked out of the go-karts because they were going too fast and crashing. But anyway, I love go-karting. And the thing that I love about go-karting is that you get to go fast and things like that. But I always felt like this. I always felt like the go-karts didn't go fast enough. And here's the reason why. They have what is called a governor on them. Now, to make this as easy as possible for those of us that maybe aren't that mechanical or don't know engines or whatever, a governor basically... Uh, just reduces the output of the engine and it can only go so fast. So in other words, it's a limiter. It limits the engine. It limits the speed, all right? So all these go-kart tracks have governors on it so that, you know, you're not going 100 miles an hour in a go-kart. And, uh, and here's what I, I didn't like that. I personally didn't like that because I knew I could go faster, right? And it's the same with our tongue. Solomon would say, put a governor on your speech, Oh yeah, you can say things, that little engine can go a lot faster. That little engine could put out a lot more. But Solomon would say, put a governor on it. Biblical wisdom is a governor. Wisdom helps us choose what to say, what not to say, what to speak, what not to speak. Could you imagine a person that didn't have any governor on their speech? Some are like, yes, I'm sitting next to them right now. Okay, but anyway... Don't point. Don't point. This is a judgment-free zone here at City First, all right? But it's just not wise. It doesn't help. It's not helpful to them. It's not helpful to you if someone doesn't have a governor and they just let it fly, right? Sometimes wisdom is really quiet and ignorance is really loud, all right? Just because someone's not saying something doesn't mean that there's a lack of intelligence or rightness. Sometimes right is very quiet. Sometimes wrong is very noisy. And that right there is our culture, <laughs> by the way. You know, if you don't put your uh, governor on your words, you'll, you'll regret it. In fact, it says this in Proverbs 13.3 here. It says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Isn't that interesting? But it says opening your mouth can ruin everything. I, my hand is up in this. How many of you have opened up your mouth, said something one time that you wish you could take back? Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, so many times, so many times. I'm like, I walk out of rooms or I walked out of the car or hung up the phone or whatever, and I was like, oh, Jer, what in the world? Why did you just say that, right? We all have those moments. There's this old adage that maybe your, your mom told you or your you know, Sunday school teacher or maybe it was your elementary teacher 
when you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Solomon would also go on to say this, would say, you know what? The wise avoid dissension, strife, and gossip. So not only do you put a governor on your tongue, but also you're careful when you do speak what you say and don't be a person that's full of dissension and gossip and strife. Do you notice how some people are always at the center of unhealthy conversations? You notice that? Like you're always like, man, Susie, Larry, whoever it is, it's like they always know all the dirt. They always know all the problems in other people's lives. They, I mean, they always know the, the, the office gossip, the neighborhood gossip, the family gossip. They always are in the middle of unhealthy conversations. It's almost like they, they, they are a magnet, and, and it's like these conversations come to them. Well, that's because they entertain them. Does that make sense? This week, uh, Jen told me a story about um, some friends of ours that run an amazing church, and... Um, she was talking to uh, the wife, and, and the wife told Jen that they recently, in the last year or so, have had like a couple of ladies that used to go to their church, but now these ladies left their church, and they started a podcast talking about how bad their church is. So it's literally a podcast about how bad the church is that our friends run. And so, like, every week or month or whatever it is, they get on there and they just talk about how bad the church is and how bad our friends are as leaders and all these things. And, and I'm listening to Jen, and I'm starting to get defensive here. Like, I'm thinking, who do I know that can do some CIA work on these people? You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you start thinking that way, and I'm like, no, no, that's not, I can't do that, right? That's not what I should do. But I just thought that was so interesting. And it is kind of posh right now. It is kind of posh to criticize organized religion, organized church. Um, some of it's deserved. I mean, some of it's there. There's no church that's perfect. And there's even some churches out there that are, that are in error. But, but, you know, as a whole, this is my take. I want you to know this. This is my take on the capital C church. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. So, therefore, when I criticize the church... I'm criticizing what Jesus is leading and what he loves. And that's, that's not good. That's no bueno, okay? Secondly, secondly, I know this, and from running a church, in a pretty big church, I know that there are problems in every church, and here's the reason why. Humans are involved. Okay, humans are involved, which doesn't give us a pass. It doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean the churches can do egregious things. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is that you're never going to find a perfect church. And a lot of times people will leave one church and go to another church because they're trying to recreate the church in their image. I want you to think about that for a moment. Anyway, so here's the thing. I listened to this, this uh, story and I thought, oh God, that must grieve your heart. Because some people say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like church. That's like saying, I love you, Jeremy, but I hate Jen DeWert. Can't do it. The church is the bride of Christ. So let's be people that speak positively about church yes holding church accountable holding people that do wrong accountable all that is a part of it but let's overarchingly realize that it is God's only plan to save a world is the church it's the number one plan a that God says the church in a sense is the hope of the world the healthy church is the hope of the world so I heard this about my friends and 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 you know what I said well Jen what are they going to do and she said they're going to do nothing 
And I said, you know what, that's actually really wise. Because here's the reason why. You ever try to argue with somebody online? How did that go? Terrible, right? Because when you start getting into a debate online, you start arguing, getting defensive or whatever else, there is a verse in the Bible in Proverbs that says Old Testament and it's King James Version, I think it is, for want of words, or in other words, no words, for lack of words, for want of words, the fire dies. So here's the thing. Sometimes the best thing you can do when you're being criticized is just be quiet. It's just be quiet. Words have emotional, emotional power. Words can evoke emotions, it can invoke action, it can stir, it can create, both positively and negatively. And that's not just leaders, that's you. That's you and I. All of us have the ability to invoke emotion with our words. I would say most of the strife that's happening in our world right now, even in our houses, our families, our schools, and our office places, most of it, even in our churches in America, even this church, most of the strife is because of foolish, reckless, unwise words. It's words. It's people speaking things. It says, Proverbs 16, 28, goes on to say, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. How many of us know good friends that have been separated because of words, right? Our words matter. Our text messages matter. Don't think you get a pass because you're not saying it in person, but you can say it in text. Does that make sense? Our words matter. Proverbs 17 says this, anyone who loves to quarrel, quarrel, <laughs> loves sin. So, so anybody who likes to argue, they love sin. We need to really ask ourselves this question, such an important question. Do our words attract the blessing of God? Do our words attract the blessing of God? It's interesting, the Bible states that there are certain activities that actually don't attract the blessing of God. Paul is writing the church in Galatia, and this is what he says. He goes, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So he's like saying, here's a whole bucket list of things that don't attract the blessing of God. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Now let me stop there. Those are heavy things right there. Witchcraft, hello? But what else does he put in the bucket with witchcraft okay goes on to say hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions so i mean goes on envy drunkenness orgies and like oh, this is a heavy list but do you see that dissension is in there did you see that that division is in there and then it goes i warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa, that's heavy. That's really heavy. But can I tell you, there's something super catalytic and positive and faith-filled that happens when people speak positive faith-filled things over their situations and over other people, when we are encouragers. In fact, it even says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building. Helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may, be, that it may benefit those that listen. So may our words build, not tear down. 
remember having a conversation with Caden when he was about 12 years old. We were at the dinner table, and he was telling me at school there were a bunch of his friends that, that were, like, talking bad, and they were tearing each other down and making fun of one another. And then there was this other portion of his class that were trying to, in a sense, stop those kids from saying those things. And they would say, hey, listen, we shouldn't talk this way. We shouldn't do these things. And he said, you know, Dad, the smart ones in the class are the ones that are trying to shut it down. And I said, you know, you could even call those people wise. So how do we cleanse our speech? How do we watch our mouth? How do we make sure we're saying the right things? How do we sometimes zip our lips when we need to? How do we say the right things when we do talk? Well, how many of you, when you were growing up, if you cussed or you talked back, that you had to have your mouth washed out with soap? Come on, put your hands up, okay? All right, yeah, lots of you. Lots of you ivory soap, whatever it was. Well, to cleanse our mouth, maybe spiritually we need some soap. Let me give you an acronym. S, Scripture. We need to look into the Word of God and we need to ask ourselves, what does the Word of God say about our speech or what we're dealing with in our heart? O, observation. Ask yourself, does my life line up with what I just read in the Word of God? So S is Scripture, O is observation. I'm juxtaposing the two. Then A, application. This is where I know what the Word of God says. I know what's going on in my heart or in my mouth, and I need to now apply the Word of God. So in other words, let's say I give in to gossip. The Word of God says to not gossip, that I should be silent, so maybe sometimes I need to zip my lip. The Bible even says this, don't hang around those that do gossip. So maybe it means even finding some new friends. That's the application part of it. Last thing, prayer. Prayer is saying, God, help me to do it because I can't do it on my own. I got habits of bad speech. Help me, Lord. Scripture, observation, application, prayer, soap. To help you remember this, if you're on the left side of a row at one of our physical locations, there's a bucket underneath you that says City First. Go ahead and take that black bucket up for a moment. And there are little bars of soap that I'm going to give each and every one of you. Take one, pass it down. It has a little sticker on it. And what does the sticker say? It says, watch your mouth. It says scripture. It says observation. It says application. And it says prayer. Now, what do I want you to do with this? I want you to do this. I want you to put this bar of soap somewhere where you're going to see it in the morning. Maybe it's like on the counter of your bathroom. And today, when you look at that, you get up in the morning, you say, God, today, I know what the scripture says. I know what my speech has been. I know I need to apply your truth. So now I'm praying, God, help me today to have wise words. Wise words. Why? Final verse, Proverbs 10, 21. Words of the godly. What's that word? encourage many but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense we want to be people who are encouragers we want to be people with wise words we want to be people that sometimes zip our lip sometimes then unzip it and say things but when we say things we use wisdom that we're people that build other people up including ourselves so let's 
Watch our mouth. And as you leave with this little bar of soap, put it somewhere you remember to do that. Let me pray with you. Lord, I just thank you. God, I thank you that your word, the book of Proverbs, talks so much about our speech. We want to be people who have healthy language, healthy words, wisdom, encouraging. Words that build up, not words that tear down. Words of faith, not words of fear. God, I pray you'd help us to watch our mouth. And as we take this little bar of soap, as cheesy as it is, Lord, I just pray that, God, we would keep it somewhere to remind ourselves often that we want to have the language of heaven in our mouths, not the language of hell. We want to have words that build and not tear down. We love you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, real quickly, for one more minute, if you say, I I just am here today, maybe for the first time, or watching for the first time in my living room, or maybe you've been here a thousand times, and you're like, I've never made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life, and I want to do that today. I need God to not only cleanse my mouth, I need to cleanse my heart. I need my sin to be washed away. Jesus died for you on a cross to pay the penalty for all your wrongdoing and mine, and all you have to do is say, Jesus, I want to make you the leader and the forgiver of my life. I want you to come into my life and be my leader. I want a new life. I want heaven as my home someday. And if that's you, will you just go ahead and repeat this prayer after me? And I'm going to have everybody say it so that you don't feel alone. But as you're saying it, you've got to realize God is listening to you and he is cleaning your heart as you say this prayer. Let's all say this prayer together. Jesus, come into my life today. Forgive me of my sin. I need you. Give me a new life. I believe you died for me. I want to live for you. Wash away my sin. Make me clean as snow. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together, all right?